Welcome to the IAOMS podcast series, where we gather for unique conversations about advancing the specialty. This season, we're analyzing innovation adaptations with master surgeons around the world. Today's episode focuses on sleep apnea investigations and management innovations, moderated by Dr. Salam Saman, featuring Dr. Stanley Liu and Julio Cifuentes. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the session. Welcome to the IAOMS podcast series, Innovation Adaptations with Master Surgeons Around the World. The topic of our episode uh, today is sleep apnea investigation and management innovations. And we're eager to share the stories of our of our two um, experienced surgeons um, this evening. Uh, we have the, the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Stanley Liu from Stanford University in California, USA, and Dr. Julio Fuentes from Chile. Um, so I'll go ahead and, and start with our, our questions that we have set for us. And my first question I'll, I'll direct towards uh, Stanley um, out of Stanford. And that being, you know, when did you start performing surgery for the management of OSA? And what were your initial treatment options? Uh, thank you so much uh, for your question and, and um, you know, really enthused to be part of this panel. Um, I, you know, this all really, I mean, I can, I can, I, I can make an argument that, you know, for, for those of us who are, are oral maxillofacial surgeons that, uh, from, from day one, since we've been doing any kind of orthodontic surgery that we have been treating the airway and sleep, you know, um, all, all orthodontic surgery is airway surgery. Uh, it's just that perhaps not all movements, uh, are favorable, uh, for the airway. Um, but my training really came as a result of after, uh, meeting uh, my mentors, uh, Dr. Powell, Dr. Riley, uh, and doing a fellowship at Stanford uh, after graduating from UCSF. And so, you know, yeah, in, in, the, in the early days, and, and folks do know the, the old classic um, phase one, phase two procedures. And so, you know, really started with, you know, our usual nasal surgery, uh, pharyngoplasty, uh, something for the tongue base, uh, you know, my mentors favored the genial glosses advancement and then the double jaw, the MMA advancement. Um, it kind of, you know, in the last, I would say in the last eight years, um, you know, with updating the algorithm and also the new tools that we have, um, mainly by way of things like uh, upper airway stimulation, hypoglossal nerve stimulation and whatnot, it has really added to the armamentarium. And the latest of which, of course, is exciting as a single port robot as well, um, you know, as compared to the, the big honking, you know, the belly robots that we try to fit in people's mouths. So I would say that this is a, 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 a rapidly evolving uh, field. Um, but I think, uh, you know, for all of us in, in, in oral maxillofacial surgery, in the day when you did your first Lafort, you were doing airway surgery. Thank you, Stanley. I appreciate that, that insight and especially the wealth of knowledge and history that you have at your institution, um, obviously, with the initial Stanford protocol. Um, the next question I'll direct at, at Dr. Fuentes Um do you consider positive airway pressure devices to still be the gold standard for the management of sleep apnea, or do you find surgical options to be more successful? Well, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation. For me, it's an honor to be here, to be here at the end of the world, sharing with the North Hemisphere and sharing with you guys, and especially with Dr. Stanley Liu. 
he's really, really master in the world. And answering the, the questions is, in my opinion, uh, PAP devices are the gold standard in the treatment of OSA. In spite of the adherence problems it has, and when it's correctly indicated, the patient is well trained on its use, and in some cases, the adherence has been improved with an ENT surgery, uh, surgery such as uh, nasal septum, which enhances the airflow of the CPAP. This is the best treatment and the gold standard. Nevertheless, surgical treatment like MMA with counterclockwise rotation perform on patients adequately indicated within the context of protocols properly carried on, sometimes with additional ENT surgeries, for example, natural truncture corrections, very good result can be achieved with MMA uh, as a treatment, as, as a, a surgical treatment. That's in my opinion. All right. Thank you very much. Um, next question I'll direct at you as well, which is how, how did you go about building your practice uh, in the management of sleep apnea? Did you have any struggles with other specialists, um, you know, in the field such as ENT? Well, it's a, for me, I have to introduce some history of my career and our center. Uh, um, at the beginning, 25 years ago, at the hospital and university where I work, the sleep problems were treated separately by ENT, ENT doctors and sleep neurologists. They did not communicate much. Back then, the oral and maxillofacial surgeon did not participate in the diagnosis and treatment of those patients because we did not know, we didn't know how we could have a role in this new area of the sleep medicine. Then, 20 years ago, in our hospital, the sleep medicine center was created at the hospital and they invited us to participate where we started working jointly with neurologists, respirologists, ENTs, psychiatric, pediatricians, the oral maxillofacial surgeons, and orthodontics and other specialty of the dental uh, medicine like TMJ specialists. The ENT and oral maxillofacial surgeon, I was included, went to Stanford University and learned the work and protocol that 22, 21 years ago, Dr. G. Guillermino 
Power, Raleigh, and Lee, among others, had then, and adapted that protocol to our Chilean context. Now, after 20 years, we are, work, we are working especially following what happened in Stanford University, and now Dr. Stanley Liu is one of the most important leaders of that group. Now we change to use the new Stanford Protocol published by Dr. Liu and others a couple of years or three years ago. Today, the different specialists of the sleep center we are in permanent contact for making the diagnosis and the treatment decision of our patients. That is our reality now, and uh, we start 25 years ago. Thank you, Julio, for sharing that history and insight. I think um, it's a very important point that you make that it's not individual, specialty-based, right? It's a team effort involving pulmonologists, neurologists, uh, or laryngologists and maxillofacial surgeons. So I think it's critical to have a, a good team and a good unit working yes. in the management of these patients. Yes. Similar to having like a head and neck tumor board for our cancer reconstructive patients, right? Yes. It's the same, same philosophy. Um, the next question, Stanley, I'll ask you is, um, you know, in your opinion and expertise and experience, What's the most successful surgical treatment for OSA? Meaning, which one has the highest likelihood to get you to an AHI of less than five? And you can't say tracheostomy. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! Okay, um, you know this is this is a rough question. So, a couple of things, you know. Um, you know things I really want to note for for and, and I'm 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 really you know kind of doing this pitch because I really want a lot more you know oral surgeons to to help us in this field. So first of all, our goal is not treating a number. Our goal is not treating an AHI of five. You know there are many people uh, with an AHI of five who are still struggling with their sleep, and there are people who are with an AHI of fifteen and who are doing okay. And so. Uh, the one thing to uh, start to, to think about is what is the outcome of the patients that we're treating? So, for example, for a child, the outcome that we're seeking is good sleep, not nasal obstruction. But for our field, good facial development. You do not want a nasally obstructed kid uh, developing into a long face, high angle class two. That sure, you'll do a, a, a you know an orthodontic surgery for down the road, but you could kind of avoid that. Um, so that's the outcome you're seeking is school performance, growth of the child, um, proper facial development. Uh, what about the young adults? You know, I published a paper on looking at how horrific the AHI is of this, this, this because, you know, uh, between men and women, as an example, and also all teenagers, everybody has low AHI. But, you know, the guy that you missed, the high angle class two that you missed as a teenager, the, the class three by bimaxillary retrusive guy that you missed as a teenager, those guys are now on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. And now, finally, someone snores loud enough to get tested, and now you're treating them for sleep apnea, though all along the way, you've just missed all these, all these developmental milestones. Um, and, uh, for women, you'll miss it all the way until menopause. So, um, I, I think we really want to think more, a lot more about outcomes, 
uh, about what we're treating. And now that that makes our surgery very powerful. You know, you, you, you're you doing MMA and, and, you know, we're chasing this elusive AHF less than five, which, by the way, depending on how you read it, it could be all over the place. But what we're trying to do is to treat the patient and we're trying to improve their quality of life. So to your answer, it is, you know, can I get someone consistently below an AHF of less than five? I could. I could. And it wouldn't be just by one surgery alone. It'd probably be multiple. Uh, but that's not our goal. We, we want patients to be well. It's about wellness. That being said, um, the best surgery to keep people healthy, uh, whatever that criteria would be, would be to do no surgery. And that is to say prevention is our best, uh, uh, our, our best uh, tool or weapon. And, and dentists and oral surgeons understand this very well. You expand a young child. You, you direct their growth. You treat their nasal allergies. You, you promote uh, facial growth in the right direction. That's going to be your very best. Now, of course, most people miss that boat, so we're going to do surgery. Um, two things we want to note about surgery. Uh, soft tissue and skeletal surgery go hand in hand. Uh, you, if you catch a patient young enough, obviously it is okay, uh, to do skeletal surgery and they'll probably do well. Now, when we, when we talk about skeletal surgery, let's not forget the transverse dimension. The MMA is going to address the anterior posterior. And while you'll tell me that you'll do two piece, three piece, seven piece Leforts, remember that when you do that, you will bring the dental alveolar segments to where they go, but the airway will not come with you. And so, you know, when we treat young kids, we like to expand them and then see how they go. With the adults, I'd like to argue that when possible, we should do the same thing because when you bring the whole maxilla in one piece, every upper airway muscle comes with you. So I think that's very, very important. The second thing to keep in mind is if a patient has had long-standing sleep apnea, so they're like 55 and they're getting an MMA, you, you, you'll treat, you, you'll really help them a lot. But the problem is the tongue may not move uh, as you, you expect, ex expect it to adapt. Because uh, when, when you sleep and you're in a supine position and you nasally breathe, the tongue will move by itself. But that might not happen after long-standing sleep apnea. So then you have to throw in things like hypoglossal nerve stimulation in order to help the tongue move. So, so what I'm going to say is um, to achieve success, we need to understand what success means to our patients. And then we need to know what age of the patient we're treating gender, ethnicity, you know, MMA is a good surgery, but how MMA works in different ethnicities, we've been looking at it with sleep endoscopy is quite different. So, so we really have to know uh, what we're doing. And then of course, folks would be like, well, uh, maybe jaw surgery makes people unattractive, but that's incorrect because what doesn't, what I've learned, one of the biggest things I've learned, and, 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 and I, I hope I can reconcile this, you know, for a lot of our trainees is um, what doesn't look right doesn't function well. So, so making someone look like a crocodile is not going to be necessarily advantageous uh, for the airway. So what we know about orthognathic surgery still applies 100% to sleep apnea surgery. You want the patient to be balanced in terms of bite breathing and beauty. Um, and where you fall short, it's not you falling short. You just put the bone in the right place. Then you might consider palatopharyngoplasty, hypoglossal nerve stimulation, positional therapy, myofunctional therapy, 
insomnia training. So there's a lot more to it. Um, and I suspect it's a, it's a very much a, of a comprehensive thing. So if we are able to put it all together, um, I think, I think we'll achieve a lot more patient satisfaction. Uh, and again, I, I think we may be able to convince more of you uh, to join us uh, in, in dealing with this because there are a lot of patients who need our help. Thanks. Thank you, Stanley. Julio, the same question to you. Well, after Dr. Stanley, you said it's difficult to, <laughs> to say something, but I'm going to say about our experience. Uh, as I told you when I start, we follow the Stanford protocols and now we are following the new Stanford protocols and it's a continuous for us like this this uh, sleep apnea problem is like the diabetes it just stopped some problem with the diabetes when it's in 30 years old four years old or every age you are going to have some problem and in this case for us it's the same it's a continuous changing uh, uh, treatments etc well what is for us the the best uh, or the most sur successful surgical treatment for us in our opinion for example in a patient that have moderate severe osa with dentofacial deformities uh, at the dice exam with collapse of the lateral pharyngeal wall in concentric collapse at the bellum with multilevel traction, especially hypopharynx, with no morbid obesity until for us is middle-aged adults until 50s, the decade of 50s, and especially when the patient has failures of CPAP treatment, for us, the MMA with wire rotation is the procedure with the best chance to lead to a surgical success and cure. That is our opinion and our experience. Uh, we don't have here still uh, the um, stimulations. We are working in to go to that technique and uh, we don't have other uh, more advanced technique. We are working in TORS, transolar robotic surgery. And, but in this moment for us, and patient that I indicate here, the MMA with category dotation is our favorite uh, procedure. Thank you, Julio. I appreciate that and, and your experience down in Chile. I do have one question just to follow up on that. The you know, the main there are still debates about counterclockwise rotation versus not having to do it. What's yeah. your argument or what benefit do you see with incorporating a counterclockwise rotation with your MMAs? What for me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we have two techniques in MMA. 
when the patient is normal facial by by retrusion, we go forward. We go forward, straight forward, with the maxilla and mandible. Yeah, uh, without compromise the aesthetic. And uh, this is one MMA with straight advance. And the other for us, the, the, the most popular for us, when it's indicated, when the patient is retrognatic, when the hyoid is very low, we go forward. And after that, we do the counterclockwise and we work with all these tissues up. And we, we get, we got a very good result in the in the stability of the TMJs, of stability of the occlusion, stability of the his the aesthetic profile, and the most important, we increase the volume of the airway in those cases. I think that's a a very good point, and, and thank you for sharing that because it's what I hear you saying is it's patient specific based yes. on their aesthetics, based on their occlusal plane, yes. based on which part of the airway is the most constricted. So you're maximizing the hypopharyngeal airway expansion by, by doing that. So so thank yes. you for sharing that. Yes. Um, the last question we have, I'll, I'll ask uh, Stanley, which is what future advances do you foresee happening over the next 10 to 20 to 30 years in the field of sleep surgery? Thank you so much. And I have to give a, a first, a, you know, again, a quick shout out to both of you and also again to Dr. Cifuentes. I mean, I think, you know, in an era where this was like a very underrecognized condition, you know, those of you who are willing to 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 do the work to propel the field was was really critical. And if you guys, you know, uh, people like Dr. Cifuentes weren't around, um, you know, we, we wouldn't follow. So I, I you know, I just very, very grateful for that. Um, I think a uh, couple things. Um, you know, it's, in it's 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 interesting. At least in the U.S., um, a lot of my colleagues, and we're talking about folks in in ENT and and sleep medicine, they actually think the the, the dentists are going to drive this field. Okay, and it's because you know it's interesting. Our our dentists and general dentists in 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 you know working. Uh, taking care of all all of our patients are are more and more and more keenly aware of the airway. I mean, shoot, you know, the kid opens a mouth and you see the tonsils, you can't miss that. Yeah. And uh, you know, and 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 they they have nasal allergies, high arch palates, they can't miss that. And so, you know, we are going to be coming onto an era where they're going to need help. What I don't like to see is that they try to send these patients, you know, um, to uh, various uh, providers, but the care is very fragmented. So uh, I'm going to, I'd like to make a pitch and, and, you know, for the oral maxillofacial surgeons, you know, we, we ought to quarterback this thing. You know, I mean, uh, when our dentists, uh, they're comfortable referring to us. And again, a lot of times you guys work very closely together already. Uh, in in these things, um, so I think the referral pattern, I think the um, the practice model may change. Now, what is the pain point of a dentist who sees a patient with potential sleep apnea? 
well, where the hell do you send them uh, to do a sleep study? You know, in lab studies are backed up, you know, a gazillion years and, you know, they got to get treatment going. So um, while home studies are popular and uh, they will always be popular, we will have a need to diagnose pediatric and uh, young adults better, which is great because they're actually surgical candidates, right? So um, that's going to be one key thing. How do you turn the wearables, which it's all fun and all, but it's not diagnosis. Um, again, for the trainees, there's a difference between screening and diagnosis. And why do we need diagnosis? Well, if you don't have diagnosis, insurance isn't going to pay for anything for your patients. So there is a, uh, a gap there to bridge. Second thing, Sleep apnea care to us is a lot like cosmetics. You know, in the old days, it was kind of like do nothing. And then when you get really old, you get a giant facelift. All right, fine. But, you know, the, the cosmetics guys have fillers. They have Botox. They have uh, ultrasound facelift, non-surgical. All right. Now, initially, when these things came out, the plastic surgeons were like, oh, shoot, we'll lose business. All contrary. They got a lot more business. So I think what we're missing in sleep apnea care is you have CPAP and then you have surgery that hurts. Well, that's a tough sell, right? And by the way, CPAP is not treatment. And I'm going to make it out. And, and I, you know, you, you guys would be like, well, well, no, no, CPAP is first line. First of all, CPAP is never first line. In a lot of countries, when you have to pay for your own CPAP, CPAP is not first line. A lot of countries, surgery is first line. So there is a big pharma component, and that's something you have to be keenly aware. The second thing is CPAP is management. You can wear CPAP for 1,000 years your age. I will only get worse. I'll never get better unless you lose a little bit of weight. But that's no. Surgery is treatment. So you also, I think that distinction will increasingly uh, be made. But what we need, though, is technology <laughs> to our lunch hour facelift, the lunch hour pyelopharyngoplasty, the no pain tonsil removal, the fat reduction in the submental space. If we have this, then patients will come in and that becomes our fillers and Botox. And then eventually they will march their way to bigger surgery. So, so I think, you know, um, from a wearable to screening diagnosis standpoint, that's one. Number two, more procedures. Yeah, we want more procedures. We want in-office stuff that you can do that gets a patient to go home the same day uh, to, to, to really uh, uh, take care of more people and really bring the ones who need bigger surgeries to us. Um, and I think that those two um, will bridge the gap and 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 really i think make this a, a very um uh you know very comprehensive um uh and very popular field thank you stanley i appreciate it um so thank you to both of you obviously for not just participating with this talk today but what you've done for our specialty as a whole and also in the field of the management of sleep apnea and hopefully we've managed to inspire some some IOMS members and trainees to to join join the bandwagon and start treating OSA themselves. Um, if you have any closing comments or suggestions or anything you'd like to share, you're welcome to do so. Uh, Julio, anything to say? Well, following that Dr. Liu said, the future, well, 
it's different the future in US. We have, you have the investigation, the, the very advanced centers. Uh, you have the, the money to do investigation. And here in our countries, fortunately, Chile is very good advance in medicine. We have the capacity of to absorb the new technologies and for us the future is first of all in the prevention from the child to the young people prevention in the medical field and in the dental field for example here uh, in the orthodontics uh, uh, centers in the university, they are from the last 10 years, they are teaching to the new orthodontics students about the sleep apnea problems in order to not to perform dental orthodontical treatment that can uh, decrease the airway. For example, when they do for extractions and uh, in order to uh, uh, obtain a good occlusion, and sometimes you produce a new sleep amnia page. And that is in, in the camp of the prevention. And in the new technologies, uh, I think, and I absolutely agree with Dr. Liu, the surgery is the treatment. With the new technologies, in the combination, for example, MMA with uh, stimulation, etc. For me, this field is going by this way. Thank you, Stanley. Any closing comments? Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So, with a lot of bias, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, next to thermolars. Um, uh, treatment for the airway, uh, breathing, sleep, uh, has, uh, the most patients who need our help. Um, I always say this, you know, restoring airway health, um, is the key to awareness, uh, to the key to wellness. Um, and I think uh, here, and I'm going to redact it, uh, my friends, I'm going to say that one more time, restoring airway health during sleep is the key to wellness. And so, um, there is so much that we can do as a field, um, uh, just like, you know, I, I think uh, like the early days when, 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 when we were, you know, delving into cancer, at least in, in the U.S., you know, a couple of guys started it, everybody started doing it. And now, you know, you're, you're all the way to the jaw in a day and the maxilla in, in, in half a day and what, what have you. So we, we are on that trajectory for sleep uh, and airway. And so um, uh, it's already we are already 80 percent of the way there. Uh, the the additive value that we bring, um, you know, to society is huge. So so um, yeah, yeah, join us. Um, you know, look for courses, uh, obviously that that start to teach this stuff, and you'll realize that no, sleep surgery is not just yanking the jaws forward. It's actually a little bit cooler than that. Uh, and and I hope that uh, again, thanks for Dr. Cifuentes, Dr. Salman. I mean, you're you know bringing this uh, podcast together. This is just the start. Uh, I can't wait for more. So thank you.
Thank you very much. Thank you both again for your time and, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the near future. And I hope to all of our listeners that you've enjoyed this and uh, keep in mind, we have more podcasts to come. So I hope you stay tuned for those. So on behalf of IOMS, uh, thank you to both of you for your time. Thank, thank you. Thank you again for joining us today. Visit us online at www.iaoms.org to become a member of our vibrant global community and to access a variety of education and timely resources. Stay up to date on IAOMS by following us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast while you're here so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. Until next time.